She didn't understand. She couldn't understand. She wanted to save our lives, and perhaps the lives of all the other beings of the solar system. I hope she's found her perfection. Oh, I shall always remember her as one of the daughters of the gods. Yes, as one of the daughters of the gods. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us on a quick trip through space and time. My name is Caleb. And I'm Mac. And this is a podcast where a Doctor Who veteran and a Doctor Who beginner go through each episode of Doctor Who and give their thoughts on it. And this week, we'll be watching The Dalek Master Plan. Yeah, kind of a misnomer to call this uh, podcast a quick trip through space and time, considering this is the longest episode of Do- in Doctor Who history. 12 episodes long oh god which is conservatively speaking about four hours maybe a little bit more yeah i'm probably gonna listen to it a time and a half caleb i am scared and intrigued about what we're about to encounter here i'm terrified but also aroused just uh chalk me up to being scared and horny (laughs) because this episode was written by Terry Nation. No. <laughs> the it's crea- a coin flip. The ter- by Terry Nation, the creator of the Daleks, the Keys of Marinus, and the Dalek Invasion of Earth and the Chase. Oh, I, I keep getting him mixed up with the guy who did the Reign of Terror. Funny you say that, because it was also written by Dennis Spooner, the guy who wrote oh, Reign of God. Terror, the Romans, and the Time Meddler. <laughs> it had it is co-written by our favorite writer and our least favorite writer. <laughs> I have no idea what to expect, Caleb, and I'm terrified. <laughs> okay, you're right, you're right. I am terrified now. It's going to be such an emotional journey, because like, we're going to be like, that episode was really good, and then followed up by, what the fuck what was the that? What the fuck was that? Yeah, so basically what happens is that Terry Nation uh, wrote episodes 1 through 5 and 7, and then Dennis Spooner wrote episodes 6 and 8 through 12. Like It is literally half and half. <laughs> I don't know what to expect. Anyway, um, it was directed by Douglas Camfield and produced by John Wiles. And it aired November 13th, 1965 to January 29th, 1966. We are in the 66s, baby. Caleb, before we actually do this, I have a question for you. It is a question that has been driving the Doctor Who fandom absolutely insane since as long as the show's been running. It's a question that I'm asking you now, and we'll ask you probably again after we've done this specific episode, and also ask you again periodically throughout this podcast series. Caleb, what is your definition of a companion? Oh, wow, I'm really nervous about how this story ends now. Um, I guess my definition of a companion is someone who 
rides in the TARDIS with the Doctor for some amount of time. Okay, good definition. We'll come back. We'll come back to that question <laughs> throughout the throughout the series. <laughs> oh God, that seems like such an obvious question. Why is it? Why is it debated? <laughs> it, yeah, it's such an obvious question that uh, that has such an ominous con- uh, connotation. Like a guy who is holding a gun up to your head and asking you what your favorite color is. Like, I've never been this stressed out before. <laughs> And also, like, it's just so, I don't know, what happens in the show where we have to question who is and is not actually a companion? We'll get to that. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't even. I... <laughs> now I'm stressed. <laughs> Good. You should be. Be ever aware. Be vigilant. Stay on your toes during the Dalek's master plan. You thought Doctor Who was a fun show? <laughs> Knocks back a shot and slams it on the table. <laughs> I've seen shit. <laughs> But yeah, Caleb, given all you know about uh, Doctor Who, and given your incredibly stressed out uh, blood pressure right now, uh, and given the title, The Daleks Master Plan, what do you think this episode is going to be about? (sighs) Let's see, spitballing here. This is, since the Daleks failed to actually just invade Earth, they develop a new master plan where they will just become the zeitgeist of earth so it's a heist movie but instead of stealing an object they steal christianity and become the focal point of the major religions of the world instead of i'm going to steal the declaration of independence it's i'm going to steal the baby jesus (laughs) again going back to like hearkening back to like my prediction in the first episode where like you see the manger you see the wise men uh and then you look at the baby in the swaddling clothes as just a little dumb That's true. That is exactly what you predicted for the very first episode. <laughs> one day that will be an ep- that one day that'll be a plot. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep predicting it until it happens. <laughs> I mean, who knows what the future may hold? It now occurs to me that I meant to do a recap of uh, Mission into the Unknown, like that one-off that we skipped. Nah, let's just take the surprise. You want to go in blind? I mean, we'll be going in as blind as the Doctor and his and his companions. So, yeah, fuck it. Might as well. We're going to get to episode nine and be like, what's the deal with this astronaut guy? <laughs> but yeah. All right. Let's rip this band-aid, Caleb. Yeah. I'm also predicting that this is largely going to be a comedy episode. Nah, not like a comedy, but it's going to have an Ocean's Eleven tone. There's not even enough members of Ocean's Eleven for each episode caleb (laughs) (laughs) okay oceans 13 five guys side note uh oceans 11 is one of my favorite movies anyway with that we will see you all in the distant distant future let's get going And we're back. May have just taken a couple seconds for you, but it took two weeks for us. Which, again, given the length of this episode, two weeks. Not bad. Pretty good, I think. Before we begin, I would just like to address something real quick. In the very first episode of our podcast, I was wrong. I said that... What what was the uh, the straw that broke the camel's back for me that made me stop 
watching New Who was a character twerking on a Dalek. I have since caught up and gone further than I than I initially was in New Who in my rewatch. Um, and I would like to retract my statement because the character does not twerk on the Dalek. I was remembering it wrong. She does, however, fondle the Dalek's balls. So, like, <laughs> I still feel justified. <laughs> I'm still pretty pissed about it. <laughs> I was watching it and I was like, yeah, yeah, I can see how this made me stop last time. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, back to this Dalek episode. So mm. we've finally managed to overcome that hurdle. So Caleb, general thoughts. What's your opinion of the longest episode of Doctor Who ever? General thoughts. Very strong first half, I'd say. Almost as if a competent writer was handling it. <laughs> and then suddenly, and for seemingly no reason, it just fucking derails and does not really get back on track, even remotely. Yeah, the uh, the audio story that we're listening to, it always says um, the name of the episode and written by blank. And, and the first half, it's like, written by Terry Nation. And then the second half is written by Dennis Spooner, with ideas inspired by Terry Nation. <laughs> so it's it's yeah. cool to see Terry Nation's good ideas in the hands of a bad writer. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. It just, and like it's it's such a wild I think I think this is the first time we've really seen like really the comparison between Terry Nation and Dennis Spooner because it is such a wild flavorant contrast. It really is. Like there is a reason why these these two are our favorites and least favorite respectively. My and you can you can you can feel it in the Dalek Master Plan. You can fucking feel it. <laughs> All that being said, I do think the last episode is actually really strong, but I one hundred percent think that's just because Terry Nation had that one outlined. Mm -hmm. And then Dennis Spooner made up everything between episode seven, episode seven through eleven, flat out made up by Dennis Spooner. And then Terry Nation had the outline for the last episode. It's kind of like how Game of Thrones was for the longest time was following the books relatively faithfully, and everyone agreed it was a really good show. And then when it started taking its downturn was when they went past the books. And they were just going by the outline given to them by George R. R. Martin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like that. Um, total tangent. I think season six is the strongest season of Game of Thrones. Remind me what uh, happens in season six. Spoilers oh, for Game of Thrones, yeah. I guess. If uh, Nobody I, cares. I, I guess. Nobody cares. Oh, God. How do you even articulate that? I just remember having that vibe, um, watching season, season six and being like, this is the best season, I think, so far. And then season seven happened. Oh, that's like the Battle of the Bastards and oh uh, yeah yeah battle of bastards was good anyway <laughs> and then something happens with brand i don't know this isn't the game of thrones podcast could be but it's not season six is the best and i will not substantiate it <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna mention for our lovely lovely listening audience uh considering this is such a long ass fucking story caleb's going to do his normal recap and then i am going to press the timer on my phone uh, so we have five minutes to talk about each. We are allowing ourselves to go over if we need to, but the timer is telling us to, hey, assholes, wrap it up. 
so yeah yeah and i think i think some episodes will be worth talking about over others because a lot of them are still like the uh yeah like they talk a lot but really only like one thing happens in this episode yeah as you'll tell in my descriptions that get surprisingly shorter for no not because i'm lazy or anything on that note should we go ahead and get into it any other fun tri- oh yeah yeah sorry there, i totally have trivia so this is the last episode uh last episode was the introduction of adrian hill as as katarina uh this episode is the <clears throat> exodus of adrian hill as katarina <laughs> <laughs> But this episode also saw the introduction of Jean Marsh as uh, a companion Sarah Kingdom. Also showed the exodus of Jean Marsh <laughs> as companion Sarah Kingdom. Which actually, Caleb, before we start, let's go ahead and go back to that, uh, that question that I asked you in the intro. Your definition of a companion. Would you consider Katarina or Sarah companions? Yes. They were in the TARDIS at any given point in time. And they weren't bad guys. <laughs> i like that definition okay i'm still i'm still gonna be asking you periodically throughout the series what your definition of a companion is and oh, oh, okay i'm gonna call it as like as someone who spends any amount of time with the doctor as not an antagonist who does any amount of time traveling within the tardis okay yes there are still a couple of characters who might challenge that but we will we will get to them when we get to damn. them <laughs> that is such a vague <laughs> definition <laughs> Are they alive? Okay, well, then they're, they're a companion. <laughs> yeah, there, there's... Uh, I don't want to get into it, but there's a couple of who are just, like... <laughs> there's just, like, an enormous council chamber of Doctor Who fans shouting at each other back and forth, debating whether certain characters are companions or not. <laughs> um, <laughs> Damn. Because there are people who, like, fall into your category that a lot of people are like, No. They're not companions. <laughs> what? So, yeah. So, anyway, uh, let's go ahead and uh, jump right in, shall we? I guess let's dive right into it. The Dalek Master Plan, Episode 1. The Nightmare Begins. Man, what a fucking... That, that's an accurate title. <laughs> the Doctor and his companions arrive on the planet Kemble, and the Doctor leaves to find medicine for Stephen. He quickly encounters Vion and Gantry, two space agents who are stranded on the planet and fleeing a mysterious enemy. The enemy doesn't stay a mystery for long, though, when a Dalek appears and kills Gantry. While fleeing the Daleks, Vion knocks out the Doctor and takes his key to the TARDIS. When he arrives at the ship, Vion tries to bully Katarina into taking him off-planet, but she actually literally no idea what's going on. Steven musters up his strength and knocks the dude out. After leaving again, the Doctor sees a mass, massive Daleks greeting an incoming ship, and by the time he returns to the TARDIS, they are already swarming it. There are a lot of details I skipped in this. I tried to keep the paragraph or descriptions down to like two or three paragraphs. That's fair. But there's a, there's a lot of ground to cover, and you know, so I, I don't I don't blame you. But uh, I think this might be the first time that we've had a story that starts with the ending of the previous one because this episode starts with like. Uh, Stephen being like, where's Vicky? And he's like, it, it, it doesn't matter. She's with Romans. doesn't matter. And Stephen's all like, what are you talking about? They're going to kill her. It's crazy <laughs> down there. And the doctor's like, nah, it's fine. Don't worry. Nah, about you're, you're, that's crazy. You're crazy. Yeah. And then we get, inter- we get introduced to this character, Mavic Chen. And I was like, man, even if I didn't already know going in that Mavic Chen was the villain, I would still be like, that motherfucker's evil. <laughs> <laughs> That's the bad guy. And 
Okay. So did you happen to see any pictures of Mavic Chen while you were... Yes, when I was writing the descriptions on the TARDIS wiki. Yeah. This is the first character I've ever seen in any sort of piece of media that has both blackface and yellowface on at the same time. <laughs> yes. It was exceedingly cringe. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that their intention was to, like, show a future where the races are all completely mixed and it's completely indistinguishable. Like, I, I want to say that is what they were going for. But he's the only character who's like that? <laughs> <laughs> and having him being the main villain kind of... Defeats mm. the purpose. Mm, that's, uh... That's a spicy meatball. The uh, the narrator is even kind of racist in the way they describe it. <laughs> they say something like, Chen is like vaguely uh, racial slur, oriental. I was like, Ugh. ooh. Mm. Oh, I did not like mm. hearing that. Yeah, that, that narrator is Peter DePurvis, by the way. That's, that's the guy who is plays that Steven. Steven. Yeah, that's the guy who plays oh, Steven. Okay. I'm going to refer to him as the narrator. <laughs> yeah, makes sense. Speaking of villains, the Daleks. I feel like the Daleks can be intimidating. But if you use them too frequently, any villain kind of loses their impact. Because we had Dalek Invasion, and then five episodes later we had The Chase, and then three episodes later we had The Master Plan. So I'm glad we have a bit of a breather after this, but after interacting with the Daleks so many times, it kind of feels like they've lost any sort of threat they might have. Am I crazy in saying that? Maybe it's because I'm watching the show as like an almost 30 year old, but like the Daleks are not really intimidating to me. They're just hilarious. I think it's not until like later, later that the Daleks actually become intimidating. <laughs> but no, I agree. Like ironically, the Dalek stories are the ones I enjoy the most, but also I don't want to like, I want other villains, but I mean like they're fine. They, cause I feel like each subsequent Dalek story handles them just a pinch better. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'd agree. I feel like this is this is the one where I feel like I'm starting to understand like the real scope of like how big the, the Dalek influence is. Mm -hmm. And you see them like doing real scheming and not cartoonish I'm gonna steer the earth scheming. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like the taking the earth for a spin was just one Dalek <laughs> who's just like, oh come on, Dalek Supreme, please just give me one squad. Just give me one squad. I swear this is gonna be so cool. <laughs> Once you see it, you're going to be like, this is the best idea ever. But you just got to let me do it first. And then the story after that was like, we're going to chase the doctor through space and time because uh, fuck him, I guess. Fuck that guy in particular. So this one was cool because like you got to see like their real ambitions and like not in a stupid way. Like, you know, they want to dominate the solar system in the galaxy and they're going to the, connive and twist arms and do their Dalek thing to do it. Well, but we're getting like way ahead of ourselves. I don't even think they talk about that in this episode, do they? I don't think they do. So William Hartnell is starting to trip over his his lines a little bit more uh, lately. But there was one line in particular that I thought was hilarious because and I quoted him exactly because he because that one guy got to the TARDIS. Uh, Brett, that was his name. Uh, Brett Yvonne or whatever. And the doctor says, if it's brain or brawn rather versus brain, I believe I have you bested in both. And I'm like, what a line to flub there, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> Bill, you're, you're a treasure. A real treasure. Never change. And you won't. This is getting ahead of ourselves, but I am going to, since we're talking about this, and I'm going to forget later, I noticed the flubbing. I listened to this at a time and a half because, like, it's faster. Yeah, makes sense. Even then, I could tell. 
William Hart was flipping lines because, like, when he's talking about his ring and, like, how his ring can, like, use the different sun to do whatever mm, to the TARDIS. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even in a time and a half, there's still pauses between him describing what's happening. And I'm like, I'm really glad I'm listening to this kind of quickly. Because <laughs> he's like, you see yeah. my ring. Or, I'm sorry. It, it, it's more like, you know, this sun has different properties. And I'm this, you know, if you look at my ring, it has unique characteristics in it that... <laughs> yeah. I actually... I was listening to the the interview that I specifically told you not to listen to, and uh, according to Peter Purvis, a lot of uh, William Hartnell's hmm or <laughs> like those types of like mannerisms that he's given the Doctor, he gave the Doctor because he couldn't remember his lines and he needed to give himself more time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, William Hartnell. And then like they they materialize, and the the whole point is that they're trying to look for medicine for. Steven and see if I were if I were the doctor I'd be like rematerialize stick my head out the stick my head out the TARDIS door is this an advanced civilization no is this an advanced civilization no is this an advanced civilization no <laughs> but no Mac he's the doctor he can do like crazy weird stuff with his ring in the sun so he can go out and like look at a plant and be like oh why, why, why of course my child that's the Hippogabis Dugabi I grind that up <laughs> I make a fine paste of it. I snort that, and then I remember how to make mess. On that note, we have passed our time. (laughs) All right, moving on. Unless, unless you have, unless you have more to say. No, not in particular. I mean, they land on the planet. They see Daleks. That's literally all that happens in this episode. (laughs) Boom! Episode two: Day of Armageddon. The Doctor listens to the Daleks' plans for Operation Inferno. In the Dalek City, two co-conspirators, Zephon and Chen, meet. Each has their own reasons for joining the Daleks, but Chen is interested in ruling as much of the universe as possible. The Daleks plan on betraying him because they're Daleks. The Doctor finds his companions, and Katarina explains that Vion helped them escape. After encountering Zephon and knocking him out, the Doctor goes to a meeting with the Daleks in disguise to learn their plan. The Daleks reveal their ultimate plan to dominate Earth and the solar system, the Time Destructor. Chen unveils he has a rare material called Terranium needed to operate it. Meanwhile, the Travelers take over Chen's ship, and amidst the chaos, the Doctor steals the Terranium, and Vion prepares to leave the Doctor behind as he is captured. I do like how the Daleks' plan for total galactic conquest involves just forming the Brotherhood of Evil. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah is it the brotherhood of evil where like they're in the swamp and, like the skull fortress like rises yeah, out of yeah. it it's that but it's a dalek <laughs> i don't know about you but like that skull fortress in the middle of the swamp is exactly what i was picturing as the dalek <laughs> hq on kemble <laughs> they do kind of like describe it as like being like swampy and like undergrowthy around the city so and then the daleks just casually bust out flamethrowers yeah since when they had those i was like dude why haven't you used that before that's so badass because <laughs> they were like okay we have people stuck in the forest we need to kill them let's just burn the forest down so they just like pop on their flamethrowers and they're like all right go to town boys 
speaking of them being a brotherhood of evil, I do appreciate how like kind of like cartoonishly evil Chen is. He really is. I was gonna say he's just very open about wanting to be evil because <laughs> he meets this guy Zephon, and Chen's basically like, yeah, I want to like, I don't know, like dominate the galaxy, and like he has an a clearly evil goatee, but I also feel like a twirly mustache would have also <laughs> been appropriate <laughs> in my mind. He's got a uh, go the goatee and mustache <laughs> as well as the black top hat and the monocle <laughs> so evil <laughs> my god and then i made the note of is this entire episode going to be the daleks burning the forest and the group arguing whether they should return to the tardis or not because i am 10 minutes in and that is all that's happened and uh spoiler yeah basically <laughs> basically and I, I was a little confused by something because it felt like the reason Brett wanted to go back to Earth was because he found out about the Daleks' plan and he... The Daleks' master plan, if you will. Ha ha ha. And so he was going to go back to Earth and warn them. I was a little confused because the Doctor was like, this is our only chance to find out what the Daleks are planning. And so he, that's when he dons the disguise and heads into the, the chamber. I was like, but doesn't Brett already have the plan i feel like why are we why are we going into the meeting this feels like a very unnecessary risk uh, the, the way i interpreted it now keep in mind that like i have goldfish brain i can't pay attention to everything so someone correct me somewhere but as i interpreted it him and gantry knew the dogs were planning an invasion not the crazy time destructor thing. So he wanted he wanted more details about what the Dalek was planning. Yeah. I don't know. I also kind of interpreted it as, like, Vion, like, just, like, did not give a fuck. He's like, yeah, you guys do whatever. I'm getting the fuck out of here. <laughs> that is fair. Because, uh, like, you know, he tried, he just straight up knocks out the Doctor in the first episode and tries to convince Katarina to fly the TARDIS. And then Katarina's like, I don't know what electricity is. Yeah, she's like, <laughs> she's like, I literally have no idea what you're talking about. And then in the, the end of this episode, he's like, the doctor's taking too long. We got to get the fuck out of here. He's like, I don't care what the plan is. The plan is I'm leaving. Yeah. And Steven's like, he's my friend. We can't leave him behind. And Katarina's like, I worship him as a god. We can't leave him behind. <laughs> I know. Just like, oh, man. Part of me just wishes there was more Katarina because she's like literally exactly what I wanted her to be. I know. Just a, just a flailing zealot. <laughs> I know, I really... I am amazed how much I liked Katarina in the four episodes we got with her. We'll get into it later, because we're going to do, you know, the goodbye, my dear, and talk about the characters in particular, but Sparknotes version, Katarina was really a wasted opportunity. <laughs> yeah, I agree. We needed more Katarina. I know that this this meeting of the Brotherhood of Evil that the Doctor is listening in on, I know that it's a meeting about the destruction and the conquering of the known universe, but man, a bureaucratic meeting is a bureaucratic meeting no matter where you go. <laughs> yeah. I was like, ugh, can we skip all this political talk and just get to the genocide already? People have places to be. <laughs> it's so funny because I feel like the, do the dogs are thinking the same thing. <laughs> what do you mean, triplicate? What is triplicate? <laughs> I do not have hands. <laughs> I uh, I just imagine him in the meeting, in the meeting, like you know, there's like the ring of people, they're all like deliberating, and then the doll, like there's two dogs, and one turns and says very loud to the other, "When do we exterminate?" <laughs> Kenny, turn your volume down. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, but yeah, but not too much happens in this episode. Yeah, yeah. They they steal the the was it vibranium? Is that what it's called? Terra- terranium. terranium. They steal the terranium they core st- and then they stole Captain America's shield. My God! <laughs> My God! <laughs> and uh, then he <laughs> aways, and then on to episode three. On to episode three, where the dogs get the Infinity Stones. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> oh, my God. If only we had a hand to put a glove on. <laughs> <laughs> episode three, Devil's Planet. The Doctor manages to make it to the stolen ship just in time. The dogs accuse Chen and Zephon of betraying them and kill Zephon as a result. The travelers are forced to crash on the prison planet Desperus, which is a weirdly appropriate name, I guess. The travelers need to repair the ship to stay ahead of the Daleks, but the prisoners are intent on getting off the planet. After some brief conflicts, the travelers repair their ship and continue fleeing the Daleks, but they accidentally bring one of the prisoners with them. And like, I, I don't know, like that was kind of yeah. I was trying. To, I honestly tried to think of like what happened in this episode, and I could not. Not a lot happens because like they land on this prison planet that's just filled with a whole bunch of vicious murderers, and then they leave. <laughs> I know that they land and they're like, wow, this place is kind of crazy. Let's get out of here. And then they do and they're like, I know, right? So I don't know if it's like a type of ship or whatever, like an actual ship, but they keep referring to Mavic Chen's ship as a spar, but because of their British accent, they call it a spa. And I would. And I again, I don't know what type of ship it is, but any time we're on Mavic's uh, Mavic Chen's ship where it's referenced at all, I'm just assuming that the ship is like a building, just like an actual spa <laughs> that flies through space and time that flies through space and like has a nice sauna and a mud bath and a stone massage that you could you can visit if you want. <laughs> they crash on Desperus. The doors open. There's a hiss of steam. The doctor comes out with just a towel and nothing else. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, so at one point, yeah, earlier in the episode, the part of the narration, uh, it says, In the Dalek control room, the Dalek Supreme is showing signs of agitation. And <laughs> I choose to believe that there is one Dalek <laughs> assigned to the Supreme whose sole job is to use a marker to draw <laughs> a frowny face <laughs> on the Dalek Supreme whenever he's angry. <laughs> And I also choose to believe that it's the exact same Dalek who drew all those charts in Invasion. (laughs) And I wrote down the quote, I did not spend four years at the Dalek Art Academy to do this, but it's the only way I can work even remotely in my field. No one understands my pain. I just went on a tangent because nothing else was happening in the episode. So just coming up with this backstory of this completely fictional character that I was making up in my head. I wanted to be an artist. (laughs) Again, I was just coming up with scenarios in my head because the Dalek Supreme uh, announces that humans must be taken alive. And I'm picturing another Dalek just like raising his plunger and being like, why? And then the Dalek Supreme just like, Slowly looks over at him and then just shoots him. (laughs) Any other questions? What is alive? (laughs) It is the state before extermination. 
there was something that was bugging me throughout this entire episode because they keep referring to Davik Chen or Mavik Chen as the guardian of the solar system. And I was like, do we not have a name for our solar system? Is it just the solar system? And then I looked it up and uh, no, no, we don't. Uh, because <laughs> our sun is called Sol. So anything relating to it is called solar. And apparently NASA refers to other solar systems as just planetary systems. And it's just something in my brain doesn't click. Because when I think solar system, I think of like the planet surrounding a sun. But like apparently that's the name just for ours. And it feels wrong somehow. <laughs> very, very weird. And very, very human centric. I don't like it. I don't like it either. It gives- it gives us a smug, pretentious attitude that, like, aliens go by and, like, oh, those are the humans. They have a solar system. Ooh. Ooh. They're too good for a planetary system. Wow, nothing happened in this episode, did it? I was a little disappointed by Mavic Chen, if I'm going to be perfectly honest. Because when I found out, like, this this leader of the solar system uh, was aligning himself with the most vicious and uh, destructive race so far in Doctor Who. I was kind of hoping he'd have a little bit more of a nuanced reasoning. Like, I aligned myself with the most powerful race and their military force to secure peace in my corner of the universe. Uh, but no. His motivation is, I want more power. Wah-ha-ha-ha-ha. His motivation is, I'm the bad guy. <laughs> I'm the bad guy. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> The, uh, the broad criticism I have for, like, this whole half of this story is I feel like the Daleks and Chen don't really do anything. Half the time, they're literally waiting on other things to happen. It's true. Like, I don't remember if it's this episode or not. Oh, it, it's the, in this episode, they're like, we're waiting to assemble the fleet to go after the traitors. And then they're not in the rest of the episode. Yeah, basically. And when it cuts to them, they're like, we're, like, still waiting. <laughs> it's just the Daleks are just like, Fucking triplicate! <laughs> <laughs> when will the fleet be ready? When the crew's off break. When is that? They will be off break now, sir. Unfortunately, they've uh, they are unionized. They are required to have at least one hour lunch break every workday. They cannot be they ca- that can't be interrupted. Where where our hands are tied. Fucking hell! <laughs> <laughs> I will exterminate you. You can exterminate me all you want. The union is still going to be there. I'm sorry, sir. (laughs) Go unions. Saving the solar system. There was a a part where Steven was like kept asking questions and uh, and questioning the doctor. And the doctor says, "Just, just look at Katerina over there. She just she just watches and learns. And I feel like that was a good summary of Katerina. And I'm pissed that she gets killed off so soon because... That would have been a wonderful dynamic because we had a grandfather, granddaughter uh, with Susan and the doctor. We had partners in crime with the doctor and Vicky. And now we can have like a student teacher thing. And it just it pisses me off that we didn't get any of that. Yeah. Yeah. On that note, should we go to the next episode? There was one other bit that I really liked, which was uh, the doctor was talking about how uh, shitty Chen's spa is. And the Steven is like, who the fuck are you? To talk about a shitty ship. <laughs> <laughs> Steven, you're so great. 
Uh, but yes, you, we can go into episode four. The one thing I do really appreciate about Steven is how he's just kind of a smug asshole the whole time. Yeah, to match the doctor being a smug <laughs> asshole. <laughs> yeah. There's one one specific bit that I thought was absolutely genius in a later episode in a later episode in this in this arc that we'll we'll get to. Anyway, episode four, the traitors. The prisoner holds Katarina hostage and demands the travelers take him to the nearest planet. After a struggle, the two end up in an airlock, and Katarina sacrifices herself to save the Doctor and the others. Vion takes the ship to a space station called Central City to meet his friend Daxter, who will help them. Chen is also in the Central City and wants to find the traitors that stole his ship. He orders them killed on sight. When Daxter finally arrives, the Doctor is suspicious of him and believes he has betrayed them. When that ends up being true, Vion kills him. The Doctor is disgusted by that, because killing is bad unless you're killing a Dalek. When they try to escape, a woman named Sarah appears and holds them at gunpoint. And she kills Vion, but the Doctor and Steven manage to escape. One of the issues with the uh, audio-only medium, because at the beginning with the guy holding Katarina hostage, and then the th- the other three characters arguing over what they should do, and Katarina screaming and the guy shouting his demands, it was very chaotic and it was very difficult for me to follow at the very beginning. Mm. I, like It was a sensory overload. I was like, I can't tell who's saying what and i just want to fast forward through this totally agree and like i was wearing headphones and it was a nightmare it was just a cacophony and then like a scream and then like the loud whoosh at the airlock oh it was painful yeah katarina is a bad bitch though yeah that's the thing katarina's death is either the most tragic or badass move a companion has pulled yet depending on whether both on whether you because there was kind of some debate after she died between Stephen and the doctor over whether Katarina knew pressing that button was going to do what it did. Because she obviously didn't understand anything about technology, so it's it, so it's probable that she had she was just flailing around and pressed tried to grab onto something and just happened to be the eject button. But also that button was pointed out to her. I don't remember if it was by Stephen or by the criminal. So it's entirely possible that she was able to gather what that button would do. So it was either tragic because Katarina didn't understand what was happening or badass because she sacrificed herself in order to prevent this guy from taking them off course. And I, I choose to believe that it's badass. I choose to believe that she knew what she was doing. I mean, I choose both. She's going to be like, I don't know what this button does, but it's probably really bad. <laughs> and I, I do also kind of like slash hate that the only reason Katarina is even in this position to have to make this choice is because the Doctor, Stephen, and Brett were just arguing so much about what they were supposed to be doing. They were just arguing for so long they couldn't come to a decision of what they were, what they should do. And so Katarina was just like, fuck it. Press the button. Boss bitch. I don't care what anyone says. I think it's cool. <laughs> Katarina is automatically above Barb and Susan, at least. Yeah, at the very least. Because Vicky, 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 uh, badass pretty much all the way through. Katarina just kind of like owns it in the four episodes that she's there. The collective five minutes, I think she's part of this show. Yeah. Barb had to grow into it, and then Susan was Susan. Yeah, yeah. Barb eventually grew into it. It just took a while. <laughs> but Katarina, right up until the moment where she has her most badass moment ever, was just like, I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> i'm just happy to be here worshiping my god and don't you say a fucking word about him <laughs> i do really like that this was actually foreshadowed with at the end of um at the end of Mythmakers, she was like oh yeah no my death was foretold by the gods but you've saved me from it a couple of hours later <laughs> <laughs> 
the doctor and it uh, causes it. As he is wont to do. Yes, as he's wont to do. And then they they deal with Dax, the whole Daxter thing and <laughs> and then Sarah Kingdom catches up with them. And I just love how they have this moment where it's like, no one who works with Mavic Chen can be trusted. Ah, good. The head of Mavic Chen's secret police elite task force. She can help us. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. And then immediately pulls a gun. And kills her own brother! As soon as she did that, I was like, this is cool. I like this chick. <laughs> right? She understands that violence solves most <laughs> of the problems. Uh, otherwise, I don't really have anything to say about this episode. They've spent such a shockingly little amount of time on this, like, space station where i'm like i don't really know anything about it yeah i was kind of disappointed a little bit for where this story goes because i was kind of expecting it to like focus around the dangers of propaganda because mavic chen basically runs the solar system and he and everyone kind of adores him like you you see a couple of different civilians talking about mavic chen sarah kingdom in particular is very loyal to him and i was kind of hoping that the story would focus around the dangers of propaganda and how you shouldn't instantly go along with everything you're told that doesn't really happen kind of i i kind of want to do a rewrite of this because i have so many ideas of stuff that could have happened but didn't <laughs> yeah that's more or less my sentiment on every episode of doctor who They're like man i'm a mediocre writer but even i could even i could elevate this to a whole nother level <laughs> let's do it Marek. let's rewrite the first doctor okay <laughs> i'm down Fuck it. Why not? Join us on our next podcast where we make the first season of Doctor Who really good. That that actually kind of sounds like fun. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Maybe if we do ever make a Patreon and we get to a certain tier, we could be like, oh, yeah, we're rewriting season one. <laughs> and then we get sued by the BBC. <laughs> or get hired by the BBC. Who knows? Oh, yes. There's an option, too. Uh, there, are, there will be a Patreon tier that will cost $500 a month, and that's called the Legal Fund. <laughs> so are we ready for the next episode? Or? Yeah. Episode 5, Counterplot. After following the travelers to the planet Mira, Sarah reluctantly believes the Doctor and Stephen's story about what is happening. Shouldn't drink beer during this. <laughs> the Doctor is also being pursued by a group of invisible monsters called Visians. After being ambushed by Daleks, the Vissians turn their attention on these new threats, and the Doctor and his companions escape as the Vissians are destroyed by the Daleks. However, they are captured by yet more Daleks, and it appears the Daleks have won. I like this episode, but the, but but that's what happened. Yeah, the way they got to Planet Mira was that they were accidentally in like this teleportation chamber on Earth, I think it was, and then the Doctor, Stephen, and uh, Sarah all just pop there yeah i think i missed that part because even when i read the wiki to find out what happened it didn't really say it. they just said they went to the planet mirror i was like oh okay i guess that's what they did yeah and i think correct me if i'm wrong but it's like this feels like the most separated the doctor has been from the tardis it always feels like being able to run back to the tardis is always an option in most of the adventures they've been in mm -hmm. but this is one like yeah there are a couple of star systems the tardis is a couple of star systems away so it's going to take some doing to get back. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely the longest distance he's been away from the TARDIS. Now that we're, like, on a different planet, dealing with a different threat and with a new companion, and how just, like, episodic this story is, I think we can safely nail down Terry Nation's favorite writing style. Between mm -hmm. Keys of Marinus and The Chase and this, you're just like, I have a bunch of ideas, I'm going to use all of them. <laughs> But honestly, but honestly, it has been the best format for the Doctor Who arcs, I think. 
I would agree. I think these like kind of like episodic adventures that are like telling a greater story is well bet are they're the best stories. Which is why the latter half of this episode this story sucks so incredibly hard. Yeah, because I, I think there's something to be said about a good, like concentrated story focusing on one idea and theme. But given just the format that Doctor Who is in, I think this episodic version is also very if done well, is very enjoyable yeah the problem i have with the more like concentrated stories right now is like they haven't figured out how to be brief no. <laughs> they're like hey we've got this concept and we're gonna do six episodes of it and i'm like oh my god i'm gonna die if i've watched six episodes of this the sensorites is so relentlessly painful <laughs> reflecting back on it which is weird because reflecting back on it i was I, the, i'm more charitable to the sensorites. I was like, oh, I kind of like oh, the really? sensorites, yeah. No, the more I think about it, the more I did not like the sensorites at all. This will be an interesting recap on a bonus episode. Mm. I also like how Mavic Chen is kind of like the royal vizier to the Daleks, clearly just waiting for his chance to stab them in the back. But he also has an advisor who is like clearly even more just like wringing his hands in the corner. He's the guy with, like, the really high-pitched voice, right? Yeah. <laughs> he he honestly reminded me of, like, what's the parrot from Aladdin? Iago. Iago. That's what he reminded me of. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, Mavic Chen is the royal vizier who has a royal vizier vizier as a confidant. Like, he knows he's going to get stabbed in the back, right? Please tell me he's at least that self-aware. <laughs> <laughs> I know, because you can, like, hear that guy, like, wringing his hands as he's speaking. Yes, yes. You will rule the galaxy with me at your side. <laughs> it was kind of like <laughs> the vibe he was okay, giving off. but I'm pretty sure, I, I, I actually think he literally fucking says I'm that. pretty sure he does. I'm pretty sure I'm quoting him exactly. <laughs> oh, but there was, there was a part, Caleb, that... The Daleks were fucking adorable because, like I said, the travelers went to the planet Mira because they were trapped in uh, an experimental teleportation chamber. And the scientists were originally just going to teleport some mice that had some, like, tracking chips in them. And so the, so the ones that went to the planet Mira were the Doctor, Steven, Sarah, and these mice in a box. And when the Daleks arrive on the planet Mira... They arrive where they teleported to, and <laughs> they were they were like, "What is this unknown creature? Treat it as hostile!" And like all the Daleks <laughs> were like pointing their guns at these mice because they might try something. <laughs> I thought it was adorable. <laughs> Do not trust the little creature. Where is the terranium? Answer the question. <laughs> Exterminate. <laughs> And then they get attacked by invisible creatures, which, man, I'll bet was just great for their budget. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, listen, these Visians, these like eight foot invisible, what I'm presuming are lizard monsters, that's cool as fuck. I don't care. That is a cool idea. I just also really love the idea of these actors just like pretending to fight these invisible creatures because it's like oh man we have like a budget of five bucks for this episode specifically let's just go out into the woods you guys swing around some sticks it'll be great <laughs> i know i know part of, part of me was thinking like man i really wish i could see this because this would be cool and then i think no the way i imagine it is 
almost definitely cooler than anything they could have done. One hundred percent. I think that's one of the advantages of these audio dramas is that uh, we can imagine it. If only they were like as good as this one. If only. What was the other one we watched? The one before this. Mythmakers. Mythmakers. Ah, okay, I didn't like Mythmakers either. I, I liked Mythmakers. Personally, I think Mythmakers was the best audio one we've had so far. Uh, I think I would say this one is the most enjoyable overall. I, I There are aspects of the Mythmakers I really liked, like uh, the bad guy. Oh, God, what was his name? Odysseus? Yeah, yeah. He was like the buffoon, right? No, that was Paris. Paris. Oh, God, I love Paris. Paris was great. <laughs> I miss Paris. <laughs> Yeah, Paris was fantastic. Everything else, uh, honestly, maybe I just have this hard taste in my mouth because of the way they did Vicky wrong. That's true. That that does knock it down a couple points. But anyway, we're not talking about the myth makers. We're talking about the dog master plan. Yeah, and it do, it does feel a little bit like Sarah has a bit of a quick change. I feel like years of propaganda and military training to always obey Mavic Chen should have taken a little bit more convincing than just he's working with the Daleks. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Okay. That's that's what yeah, it felt like that, to me. <laughs> that's that's true. That's true. I'm telling you that Chen is evil. But I don't think he is. Uh have you considered fuck that idea? And she's like, "You're right." Huh. No, I hadn't. <laughs> you know, I never thought of it like fuck Chen. <laughs> I mean, granted, I've thought fuck Chen, but I've never thought fuck Chen. <laughs> The inflection is how you break propaganda. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but I don't know. Nothing really happens in this episode. They go down. There's invisible monsters. They fight them for a little bit. The Daleks show up and fight them for a little bit, and then they get caught. Yep. On to episode six. Episode six, which without a doubt has the fucking most incredible title I have seen in Doctor Who yet. Coronas of the Sun is such a fucking amazing title that is... Absolutely squandered on old Doctor Who. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Yeah. My God, that is like some like Ben Bova, Peter Hamilton, like artsy sci-fi title. <laughs> anyway, Terry Nash is just over here, just like I'm wasted on these fools. <laughs> but for real, Terry, my boy, I feel you on that. Anyways, episode six. Coronas of the Sun. More Visians attack and the Daleks are overwhelmed. The companions manage to steal the Dalek ship and use it to escape the planet. Meanwhile, Chen's relationship with the Daleks is growing tense as the Terranium continues to avoid them. The Dalek ship begins to automatically steer back towards Kemble and the Daleks. The companions manage to destroy the autopilot module, but that alerts the Daleks to their location. The Daleks want them killed, but Chen convinces them to hold a trial on Earth. The Doctor has made a dummy version of the Terranium. He tries to use it to negotiate their release from the Daleks, but they try to kill him anyway. The Travelers use the TARDIS to escape and appear on a smog-filled planet. And already that last sentence, like, I just had to hold back the Venom. <laughs> <laughs> this one's gonna be rough, uh, because my first note is talking about how Sarah's quick shift of sides doesn't quite sit right with me. Then I was a little confused, like, weren't the Daleks ordered to kill on sight? And then you reminded me that Mavic Chen wanted to take them alive so that they could see trial and reinforce the propaganda. And is this the episode where Steven tries to, like, use the kinetic energy of the gravitational field to make a, to make the fake terrarium glow? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Was that him or the doctor? I don't know. He, he's the one who comes up with the idea of, like, we need to use the gravitational energy because we use, because in my time, we use gravitational energy all the time as like a renewable resource. 
and the Doctor and Sarah are both like, wow, that's super primitive, and like banging a rock against a computer. We're not going to do that. And Steven's like, I'm pretty sure it'll work. I don't see why it wouldn't. And they're like, no, that's dumb. We're doing this other thing. And then Steven's like, totally going to work. And so, and so he does it, and then the ship, like, lurches, and then he gets, like, knocked off his ass and thrown eight feet. And <laughs> and I so I make the note of, thank God that worked, otherwise you'd be fucking dead. <laughs> Steven has a chalkboard explaining complex gravitational physics laws, and the doctor's like, oh, why don't we make a blood sacrifice to the sun god, Bo-Rad? <laughs> Basically. <laughs> Um, <laughs> it's like a very rick thing to say <laughs> it's true all right in our rewrite of doctor who doctor the doctor is basically just, just rick. straight up rick yeah he's almost there he just needs a little bit of a push and then my fourth note is i got all the way to the end of the episode and realized how few notes i had because I was, yeah. I was just, like, listening and waiting for something that was, like, I have thoughts on this. And then the credits rolled, and I was like, oh, shit, fuck. <laughs> I got nothing. <laughs> oh, man, uh, uh, something happened, right? Something had to have happened. Yeah. Yeah. I, this, this is the first time that we've talked about any of the episodes, and we have time left over on the clock. Because, like, it's still got two minutes left, and I've got... I got nothing. Yeah, I've got to go on to say. It's one of those things that I feel like this is something true of Terry Nation's style in general. It's like, I I really don't have that many notes collectively for each individual episode. But overall, I like the experience. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because, like, it wasn't a bad episode. Like, I was enjoying myself while I was listening to it. It's just that I didn't have any, like, ooh, thoughts. I'm going to put a bullet point down for this one. Or, like, any particular quotes that I wanted to riff on or anything like that. It was just like, oh, the mm-hmm. episode's over now. All right, time for the next one, I guess. <laughs> yep. Again, consistent with Terry's work, I believe. Where I'm like, yeah, I mean, like, there's nothing really wrong with it, so I don't really have anything to say about it. Yeah. Um, on, on that I honestly thing? don't know. How, Do you want to? I honestly don't know how much I have to say about this episode going forward. Do you want to go to the next one? I, Do you want to go to the I next one, Caleb? Do you want to go to the next one? I, I literally, I literally think I like repressed this episode. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I hope it. I hope you're ready for this absolute. This is the episode that I have the most number of notes on. <laughs> That's great. I my okay. I'm just gonna do it. All right. So. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. Last episode, I now know what the note was of. Thank God that worked. Otherwise, you'd be fucking dead. Because Stephen did the gravitational force field, gravitational thing, and it caused like a force field around Stephen. And so, like, oh I, yeah, I have an idea. So Stephen is the one who like hands hands the daleks the terranium and then the daleks fire on him but because he had the force field it like backfires back to the daleks and then and steven's knocked on his ass and that was the moment i was like thank god that worked otherwise you'd be fucking dead (laughs) otherwise you would have just been shot by a dalek steven saving the day and himself accidentally anyway uh so anyways oh we can't go outside this is the most polluted planet i've ever seen in my fucking life and it's episode seven the feast of steven here it is here's my description god damn it dennis <laughs> what the fuck is this it's just a bunch of random hollywood bullshit like what the fuck it has literally nothing to do with anything and that's it that's my description of the episode. that's an accurate description okay so 
little bit of backstory for this episode. You may have noticed that this one is slightly different from the others. So they realized that this episode was going to be coming out on Christmas Day. And they also realized that no one was going to be watching fucking Doctor Who on Christmas Day. Lies. So they just, they just threw together some shit to do, like, comedy sketch routines and... Just for, like, some fun fun antics just in case some someone is watching Doctor Who on Christmas Day. William Hartnell literally at the end of the episode turns to the camera and says, Incidentally, a Merry Christmas to you all at home. And, <laughs> and, like, this is a Christmas filler episode. Because they were like, we can't continue the plot on a day that nobody's actually going to be watching. So they just made some filler. <laughs> I think this is the episode I singularly hate the most. I I have several notes that are like, oh man, Caleb's gonna hate this. <laughs> I do because I hate a lot. Of I'm this pretty episode. sure a lot of it was just like references to like classic British comedy sketches. Like they were they were considered classics even in 1966. So like it was definitely gonna fly over our heads from the very beginning. And I do really really like the beginning. I mean. I don't like it, but I get the joke where it's like, oh my god, this atmosphere is poisonous. This is the most this is the this is the most polluted planet I've ever been on. What sort of planet could possibly Oh, it's Earth. Oh, it's Earth. Oh, oh it's Los Angeles. <laughs> or are they No, they're in London. Well, uh, whatever. I'm gonna pretend it's LA. But yeah, the fact that like, oh no, oh JK, it's just Earth. I, I, why didn't I know that? Who fucking cares? It was a gag. Yeah, and just like the entire episode is just peak British comedy. Which my dad, my dad once described me because my dad mentioned British comedy to me when I was like a kid, and I was like, "What's British comedy?" And he's like, he points, he pointed to a pencil and said, "That's not a pencil. Yes, it is. No, it's not." I'm telling you, it is. No, it's not. It's not a pencil at all. But what else could it possibly possibly be? I don't know. But it's clearly a pencil. No, it's not. I just said it is. And then that for half an hour. <laughs> He's like, that's British yeah. comedy. I was like, wow, that sucks. He's like, yeah. Yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, it does suck. You're right. Monty Python is the outlier. Was <laughs> what my dad said. <laughs> And even then, it's, like, really specific Monty Python stuff. Not, not like, Monty Python at large. No, like, because there is definitely some Flying Circus stuff that is pretty British comedy. Not funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I, I was going to say peak is maybe a strong word for this being peak British comedy, but maybe not. Maybe this is peak British comedy. Not in that it's the best, but more in that it's the most indicative. Mm, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I just remember... Where, like, when the doctor's like, oh, no, never mind, this is Earth. I was like, hmm, that already leaves a bad taste in my mouth. This is not going well. It's like, oh, boy, you thought 1966 it was super polluted? I got some bad news for you. <laughs> I'm new in town, and it gets worse. Yeah, and then I just have, like, this is stupid. And, like, he gets held up by the cops because, haha, he's walking out of a police telephone box. And the cop is just like, are you British? No. Scottish? No. Welsh? No. And it's like, okay, I get, I get it. We're, we're. This is, this is a joke. But like, also, doctor, just tell them you're Welsh or something. Why are you being honest with them? Why are you telling them now that you're an alien? 
you spent how much time laying low with susan when she was pretending to be a student why are you telling these people now why what are you doing <laughs> yeah yeah and, and when this episode like really started become cringe to me i was like oh i hate this i hate this so much uh they're on like a movie set or something yes. and like a guy and like that's when they go to la they they mater- dematerialize in the tardis and oh London, that's right and then that's, right, in that's LA. right yeah that was it and like a guy in like a gorilla suit grabs Sarah, and I, I I don't know. I was like, hmm. I was like, hmm. Dennis Spooner has one joke. They're they are on, they are on various different film sets, and the the joke is that they keep getting mistaken for other celebrities that we don't know who they are because they were famous in 1966 and were dumb millennials, and it's just a bunch of comedy of errors and then like a bunch of running around of people mistaken identity trying to track down other people and thinking that there are other people and it's it's really bad and i have this actual note i'm going to read it line for line i might actually advise caleb to skip it i can tell he's going to hate it even i hate it and i'm more tolerant of british comedy than his sub note nah fuck him (laughs) (laughs) thanks mac thanks and i think Where it really started to derail for me, and I was like, "This is a fever dream." Like, I'm, this this is actually just like a nightmare I'm having. I'm not actually listening to Doctor Who right now. Is when Stephen Purvis as the narrator kind of started getting yeah, in. No, on he was the, definitely starting to oh, lead into the oh my god, because like there was one part where he was like, "Meanwhile, things are going south on the western set." I was like, "What the fuck are you talking about, Stephen Purvis?" That was I'm like, I guarantee you, this like the cinematography did not convey that at all. <laughs> Yeah, and and then I wrote down there was there was one part where like it's peak chaos. Which by the way, like I have issues with auditory overload, so I was having a lot of issues with this part. I was like, oh god, I can't, I can't stand this. And there's one part where the narration just goes, and the chase was on, and it's literally just a whole bunch of just loud cacophonous yelling as people are going back and forth and i believe i genuinely believe this is the part where they do the scooby-doo door running back and forth (laughs) moment Uh, oh i hate oh god i hate this episode so much and the worst part the worst part man Mm -hmm. again i i I, i'm not allowed to know anything about the show so i didn't know this was a christmas special oh like when i heard him say (laughs) merry christmas i about had a conniption Uh, like I, fe- I felt the side of my head tense really hard. <laughs> and it's when they were like arriving at the end. And I was like, "This was actually pointless." This a- like it took me the whole episode to realize this has fucking nothing to do with the plot. <laughs> Not even a little. I listened to this whole fucking episode thinking that Daleks are gonna show up at some point. Shit's gonna get real at some point. We're gonna cut the chat at some point. The Daleks are gonna show up and just start shooting producers. <laughs> God, I wish. I wish. I, I was. I was waiting for. I was like, I want the Daleks to show up, and one guy be like, Oh, are you the new robot? And it just blast them. <laughs> I was like, It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. And I went through this whole fucking episode, and William Hartnell. Has the fucking balls to wish me a Merry Christmas? <laughs> I will travel back in time and slap you, old man. See, and I actually think it's kind of sweet how he's just like, and incidentally, a happy Christmas to you all, to all the people who are actually tuning in to watch Doctor Who on Christmas Day. 
It, I thought it was kind of sweet. If you're watching this on Christmas Day, I know you're really lonely and you need someone to tell you this. <laughs> I was mad. My very last note is, anyway, back to the plot. Let's let Caleb take another drink there. Uh, yeah, I'm drinking a Michelob Ultra right now and I need it. <laughs> this whole episode, Mac, I listened to the whole episode. I know you did. And the whole reason I did was because you were like, you were like, we're going to talk about episode seven. So I was like, all right, I got to be fucking prepared. I need to fucking know what happens in this episode. <laughs> I was just like in the corner going, good, good, good. <laughs> well, I'm glad you had fun. Now back to our regularly scheduled programming. <laughs> and yeah, you know, and um, maybe this is like the real worst part. All these episodes don't get much better than that. <laughs> there are like one or two interesting things that happen overall. But this this is clearly the downturn of... Okay, Dennis Spooner's in charge now. And they're not handled well at all. Yeah. But for the record, when I talk about my Doctor Who ranking, um, I am considering Dalek, uh, the Dalek Master Plan an 11-part episode because that filler doesn't count. That's not... That was just a throwaway thing. That was not part of the actual story as far as I'm concerned. It doesn't mean I'm not mad about it. I know, Caleb. I'm relentlessly angry about it. And now back to our regularly scheduled programming. And now back to it. Episode 8, Volcano. The Daleks are pissed about the fake Terranium, and they fetch another Dalek time machine to pursue the Doctor for the real stuff. The Travelers appear on a volcano planet to hide from their pursuers. There, they run into their old friend, the Monk, who sabotages their ship and intends to strand them the way the Doctor did him. However, the Doctor's magic ring saves the day somehow, and they are able to leave and end up in the middle of a New Year's Eve celebration. The dog's time machine arrives on Kemble and is ready to pursue the Doctor. This is another episode of, like, the dogs being like, we will get to them, eventually. <laughs> yeah, they go to test the Terranium, and uh, <laughs> at one point, Mavic Chen is, is asking, he's like, what if there was some sort of mistake? And they say, the Daleks do not make mistakes. And I'm like, I have at least three other stories that say otherwise, but go off, <laughs> I guess. And they had a they had a volunteer subject to make sure that the terranium, that the uh, time manipulator worked. Uh, like they put him in, the, in a test chamber and then turned it on and then nothing happened. And the subject comes out and they were like, exterminate the subject and they kill him. I was like, why? Why Why would you exterminate your subject? That was a perfectly good volunteer that you just wasted. No one else is going to volunteer like he did after they find out, oh, we're just going to kill anybody who, when we don't get the results we want. Me, me personally, if I was a dog, I got out of bed that day. I came all the way over here to this chamber. I'm going to see someone die. Dalek 3, have you exterminated anyone today? No. Fix that. <laughs> You're falling behind on your quota. But anyways, this is like really the only time we see the dogs in the episode because every other time they're like, uh, or like, I feel like there's one time where they cut back and they're like, ah, yes, the time machine is finally here. Our forms in triplicate finally went through. Fucking triplicate. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm imagining I'm just on like a space phone talking to uh, the dog, <laughs> the, the other dogs. And they're like, where are you and the time machine? We are stuck in space traffic. Did you take the interstate? Yeah, there's there's a bit that it's like we can't get rid of the British comedy enough because they land just outside of like a cricket match. And 
it's the entire scene is just the commentators talking about the cricket match and the score and then looking over oh, and seeing the blue yeah. box appear and then they're talking about the blue box and then they talk about the weather a little bit and like oh the blue box is gone anyway back to the cricket match okay back to the score and i was like man nobody cares even the british don't care about cricket i don't know why we're <laughs> focusing on it i don't know if it were if we're back in the comedy episode i might have been like hey that's actually kind of funny but this isn't a comedy episode this is a plot episode the sport is so boring that the commentators stop talking about the game and start talking about the blue box that just appeared and then disappeared and then they start talking about the weather i'm assuming this is like dennis spooner's jab at how fucking boring cricket is and he's like why do people like this and this is his chance (laughs) to just vent his frustrations this man has a platform and he's gonna use it (laughs) most importantly the monk comes back yay which in theory i love in theory yeah in in theory i love the idea of like recurring villains (laughs) Mm -hmm. and he he is the first recurring like standalone villain and uh, i don't hate the premise of the monk another time wizard bullshit guy Who's just like really petty and vindictive and just doesn't like the doctor. If if you like the concept of the monk, stay tuned. <laughs> stay tuned. But yeah, but like I, I hate that idea. And the fact that he pretty much shows up and he's and they're like it's like, Oh yes, hello doctor and they're like they have like a pleasant little conversation and he's like, Hey, remember that time you left me in ten sixty six in England? And the doctor's like, Oh why yes, of course, that's where we met and he's like, Yeah, fuck you. I'm ruining your shit. <laughs> Yeah, I I really genuinely love how they have like this like almost pleasant conversation <laughs> leading into it. Yeah, and the doctor kind of like has some suspicions that the monk is there, and it's really this this is the part that I was talking about earlier that I absolutely fucking loved Stephen because this is this is the exact exchange I wrote it down. He says, "Who are we here to meet, doctor? Doctor, patience, my boy. You'll see. Well, you have to tell us, otherwise you'll just say you were right no matter who it is we meet." I'm like, I list, I love how much Steven has just figured out the doctor's game and just how much he is pulling out of his ass and willing to <laughs> call him out on any <laughs> given opportunity. It's like, patience, my dear boy, we'll see. It's like, no, because you're just going to take credit for whatever happens. I know how you work. <laughs> oh, well, of course, that was my plan the whole time, boy, you see. But yeah, uh, the monk sabotages the locking mechanism on the doctor's TARDIS, so now, like, they can't open it. And then the doctor's, like, considering his ring, and he's going to use, uh... And he's going to use it to open up the door. And I thought it was about to be a callback to the web planet when he uses his ring as, like, an emergency door-opening mechanism just in case he couldn't get it open by conventional means. I thought that's what was going to happen. I thought it was going to be a callback to the web planet. No, he uses the ring... To, like, reflect the sun's rays onto the lock, and that burns away whatever the fuck the monk did. And that's yeah. so so much stupider. That's so much stupider than what I thought was going to happen. That's what I mean. It's like, the ring is just like, I don't know, some, like, magic bullshit. And then they ask him about it, and he's like, well, you see, like, the properties in the ring, they have properties. And you see the <laughs> sun, it has rays but not like normal rays the rays you see they counteract the properties it's like oh oh bill don't don't hurt yourself just just go to the next scene go to the next scene and again this is what i was talking about i was like i was listening to that time and a half and i still heard like pauses yeah it was rough 
And then, and then it's really funny because the monk was just like a ways away and was like watching with with uh, sadistic glee through his binoculars of the doctor struggling. And then they just enter the TARDIS, and he's just like throws his binoculars <laughs> down to the ground. He's like fucking hell. <laughs> and, um, and then I real I really love this because he just like shakes his fist and says, "You haven't heard the last of me." And then it cuts to the inside of the TARDIS, and Stephen says. You know, I don't think we've heard the last from that monk. <laughs> so, yes, not only do I love the concept of recurring villains, I love the concept of incompetent returning villains. <laughs> I was like, hmm, you won't get any more in your TARDIS when your time tires are aired out. <laughs> you won't get anywhere in your TARDIS if I paint it red. <laughs> <laughs> no one's seen a red police box before. The doctor's like, wow, that's slightly annoying. Well done. <laughs> wow, that's... Kind of cool, actually. Can you put some flames on the side? It's going to take me at least 15 minutes to water blast that off. Okay, uh, remind me. Okay, so the the Daleks get in the time machine at the end of this episode. Is that the last we see of them? I think so. I don't think they show up in this episode. I don't remember what they were doing, but whatever it was, there was a... It, it's so weird that this specific aspect of Daleks are what's consistent throughout all the Dalek stories because I think they're about to get ready to take off in their time machine and it goes 60 59 58 57 56 it's like the Daleks incredibly overly long countdown is like the most consistent part of Dalek culture that I've noticed (laughs) (laughs) and that's all I got yep that's all I have too Episode 9, Golden Death. The TARDIS leaves again, and this time appears in ancient Egypt. The Dalek time machine appears as well, and Stephen and Sarah believe it is the monks. They are shocked to see Chen and the Daleks emerge instead. The Doctor spots the the real monk's time machine materialize, and the monk chases after him. Instead, he runs into Chen and the Daleks, who promise to spare him if he helps them get the Terranium back. The Doctor sneaks aboard the monk's ship and steals his directional unit, which is something that like, controls where the TARDIS goes or wherever. Sarah kicks some ass and frees Stephen and her from their Egyptian captors. The monk tries to schmooze the doctor and convince him to give the dogs the terranium, but the doctor isn't buying it. When Stephen and Sarah finally arrive at the TARDIS, they don't see anyone, but a creepy mummy hand appears. Ooh! I actually had that ooh written in my notes. Apparently, Terry Nation had a lot more ideas and locations that he wanted to use in the chase, but, like, didn't get a chance to. So he just kind of pushed them here, one of which was the cricket match, and then the other was ancient Egypt. So, like, if you're wondering why the fuck they went to a cricket match in ancient Egypt, it's because Terry Nation was like, but I wanna. I wanna do it. And they told him no last time, so. So he had Dennis, he had Dennis right, so he could take the fall. <laughs> exactly. They're in the Dalek time machine, and the Daleks say, we will arrive in four Earth minutes. And, like, I know it's to tell the stupid audience. It's like, oh, yeah, four minutes. That's a period of time that you can understand. But also, why are the Daleks using Earth measurements of time? <laughs> I don't know, because they're talking to Chen, and Chen is, like, from Earth or something, right? I guess chen's an idiot so we have to talk down to him we will arrive in four earth minutes put on your seat belt do you need a snack put your tray in its full and upright position 
And okay, so the doctor goes into the monk's TARDIS and first of all takes out the directional unit, yes, but he also breaks the chameleon circuit to make it look like a police box before he exits. And the fact that the doctor can sabotage the monk's TARDIS to look like a police police box implies that he could fix his own so that it doesn't look like a police box. He just chooses not to. <laughs> He likes the way they look, okay? And it doesn't matter whether it makes sense or not. And then Sarah and Stephen are trapped by the Egyptians, and then Sarah breaks them out, and then breaks Stephen out, and they both kick some ass. And they're just, like, they have this adrenaline going, and, like, they're panting after the fight. And I'm just like, they're so gonna fuck after this. Yeah, I thought the same <laughs> thing. I'm like, oh man, it's getting really hot and sweaty in here. Let me tell you. Which I mean, you know, if I went to ancient Egypt and I beat up a bunch of people, like, uh, yeah, I would too. <laughs> yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, but the reason the doctor uh, sabotages the monk's TARDIS is so that when the monk travels, both TARDISes will look exactly the same. So he's kind of hoping that the Daleks will chase after the wrong one. Yeah, I I wasn't sure about the logic on that because I mean, like, in like the dalek like readout for the tardis is there not like a it's not like a like a ip address attached to the tardis or something or they actually look at computers that like generate the image of the tardis and they're like that's the one i'm looking for that doesn't really make sense i don't know because i'm not sure i'm not sure that it actually i don't think the daleks go after the monk no i don't think they do <laughs> <laughs> so i don't think his plan works regardless <laughs> Yeah, so, like, a lot does happen in this episode, but I kind of figured that I would have more to say, but I, 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 I really, don't. I really don't, yeah. It's just, it, some stuff happens, <laughs> and then and then I guess I'll read the next episode. Episode 10, Escape Switch. The mummy is the monk. Oh my gosh, wouldn't you believe it? Wrapped up by the doctor. The dogs are tired of waiting and head out to find the doctor on their own. Instead, they find the other three, so, and take them hostage. When the Doctor hears a broadcast from the Daleks demanding the Terranium in exchange for his friends, the Doctor is forced to comply. At the rendezvous, the Doctor is able to get his friends back, but the Egyptians attack as he hands over the Terranium. In the confusion, he is not able to retrieve it from Chen. With the Monk's directional unit, the Travelers make their way to Kemble once more. The Monk escapes the Daleks only to end up on an ice planet, and he realizes he is forced to wander aimlessly until he can... Run into the doctor once more. I think I like the monk more in this episode than I did in his own episode. Oh, 100%. I 100% agree with that. I like the time meddler more in this episode than I did when he was in the time meddler. I just really love how conniving he is. It's like, oh no, I'm I'm with you guys. Oh no, I'm with the Daleks now. Oh no, I I was just I was just lying to the Daleks. I'm actually on your side. Oh look, I I brought you some prisoners. Won't you won't you reward me, Daleks, or let me go at the very least? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I totally agree. And and again, I think I really love the premise of the time meddler coming back. And I even like how like goofy he kind of is in this otherwise like really serious plot. Uh, he's a good aside, but yeah. mm, I feel like Terra Nation would have handled him better. I mean, that goes without saying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, did you even have to bring that up, Caitlin? I think just in terms of like evil schemes, I think Mavic Chen has a lot of really good plans and ideas. Like the Daleks are about to just like blow the heads off of Steven and Sarah. And he's like, no, 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 no we'll use them as leverage so that we can get the Terranium back. And the Daleks are like, 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that, that keeps happening where the Daleks are like, all right, time to kill him. And Mavic's Chen is like, okay, let's calm down for just like one second and use this to our advantage. I really like that he has a little bit more of like a, a scheming mind than the Daleks do. I can see how he's a valuable recess to the resource to the Daleks. And uh, I was wondering when the Daleks were going to kill him. <laughs> wow once you know it that that gets answered in the next episode <laughs> whoa and then uh, the doctor makes some demands of how they're going to do the the trade-off and he says only uh chen and one dalek will come to do the do the trade-off with the terranium and the prisoners chen is like are you really going to submit to his demands only one dalek and the dalek is like one dalek can exterminate them all they still bring multiple Daleks to the trade-off, though. <laughs> like, if you really believed that, you would have just had the one Dalek go. <laughs> I like to, in my head canon, I like to think that the other Dalek is in disguise. <laughs> that artist Dalek came back and drew a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> it's wearing like a wig. <laughs> I'm just a passerby. I do declare. <laughs> I do declare. And then... Oh, God, this was so dumb, Caleb, because the Egyptians ambush them and are, like, assaulting the Daleks. And their plan to completely immobilize one of the Daleks is to just take a bunch of rocks and, like, put it around the Dalek so that it can't move. And I don't know what, what's worse, the fact that that's their plan or the fact that it fucking works. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, Mac. Daleks are kind of dumb. They have like a, the worst mode of transportation ever. <laughs> because they're I mean, fucking tanks. They should just be able to barrel through these rocks. <laughs> I'm assuming they're like the size of bowling balls. I'm giving them credit and saying that they're big rocks. But like, the Daleks shouldn't be stopped by just some pebbles thrown at them. <laughs> they're not really tanks, though. They're like vaguely human-sized trash cans. On, like, a rollerball. They're like a Roomba that can shoot you. So, no. I, me, personally, 100% buy that works. There's two ways to be a Dalek. Block its path and then just push it over. And then you're done. There's literally nothing else to do. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine a Dalek trying to get up from being knocked over. <laughs> and I don't know what's funnier. It trying to get itself up from being knocked over or other Daleks trying to help it. <laughs> trying to, like... Trying to, like, bring their, uh, their fucking plungers down to, like, trying to lift it. But, like, in the process of doing that, they themselves fall over. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just, like, all turtles with, on their backs. Just like, help! <laughs> help! I kind of like the idea of, like, you know, they roll up. They see their comrade on the ground knocked over. And they're like, help me up! And they're like, it's too late for you! Exterminate! <laughs> it's just a mercy shot. We must rescue Marvin! No! He's gone already. <laughs> He's already lost to us. And uh, that's kind of all I had for, for this episode. Yeah, there it is. I, I, I do love the time that was like hilarious. I'll get you for this. I'll get you, Gadget. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, because he, because he activates his TARDIS to like follow the doctor and then lands on a completely different planet. He's just like, oh, God, is this what being the doctor is like? <laughs> Oh, God, this is awful. <laughs> is it in this episode or the next one where, like, we 
air quotes, see the TARDIS use the directional unit. Pretty sure it's the next one. I think it's the, old, the beginning of the next one. Oh, okay. Well, I guess I'll just jump into it, I guess. All right. Episode 11, The Abandoned Planet. Oh, I was about to ask you why it's abandoned, but I answered my own question. <laughs> the directional unit works, but it's destroyed in the process. They're in the wilderness outside the Dalek City. Chen consolidates power around himself by killing a councilman and forcing the others to comply with him and the Daleks. Steven and Sarah are trying to find the Doctor and make their way into the Dalek City. They learn that delegates have been held hostage by the Daleks. They free the delegates and they all escape on their ships to warn their systems of the coming Dalek invasion. Chen's is destroyed though, which means Earth will not be warned. However, Chen was not on his ship and he aims a gun at Sarah and Steven and holds them hostage. So not this episode, but the next episode we learn when the Daleks kill Chen. This is a common theme in like the kind of like episode before the end where there's a whole lot of nothing that happens. And that's yeah. been the case for like the past four episodes. But <laughs> Yeah, it's like setting up for, it's putting the pieces in place for the actual For the actual climax. ending, yeah. Because yeah. uh, the Doctor is just like flat out not in this episode. <laughs> He's not, which you'd think would mean that uh, William Hartnell was on vacation or something, but I don't think he was. They were just like, eh, fuck you. <laughs> I do really like at the beginning, the doctor tries to use the directional the directional control that he stole from the monk, but like the monk's TARDIS is so much more advanced than the doctor's shitty ass secondhand model that he's like, this is either going to let us go wherever we want or make it explode. Anyway, time to push the button. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it. Uh, at least, like, the way it was described and the way you read it in the wiki, like, the TARDIS just basically takes, like, a hard right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it just it just turns to a 45-degree angle for a second and then goes back to normal. <laughs> um, and I really, I really like it because at first the Doctor is so crestfallen that it's like, we've got nothing. There's no way we can return to Kemble because it didn't work. The circuit busted. Like, we're, we're, we're done. We've got nothing. The Daleks are about to control the galaxy, and there's nothing we can do about it. And then they check the scanner, and they find out that they are on the planet Kimball. And he's just like, we failed. There's nothing we can do. Oh, look, it worked. Just like I knew it would. I'm brilliant. <laughs> yeah, you know, now, now, that we, now that we've, like, put it out there, the Doctor has, like, super Rick energy. <laughs> he does. Fan, fan artist, Brittany, I'm asking. <laughs> Put Rick in Doctor Who outfits. And yeah, then we spend a lot of time with uh, the <laughs> the Brotherhood of Evil. And uh, there's one council member who like is clearly supposed to be like a snake guy. But they didn't give enough S's in his actual script. So he just talks like this the entire time and then ends every single sentence with shh. Yeah, I'm I thought like, that too. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I'm, so I made the note of this hissing motherfucker needs to shut the fuck up. I don't care if it means that he's dead or what, but we need to stop giving him lines. <laughs> <laughs> Is he the one that Chen shoots? I don't think so, because I'm pretty sure he survives, strangely enough. <laughs> they are all corralled into this cell, and they're all, like, blaming each other and saying that everything... And this was getting very exhausting, of all the characters being like, this is a trick, or you're lying! And just, like, all of the characters having so little trust in each other that, like, 
everything is seen as a trick or some sort of ruse. And I'm like, this is exhausting. <laughs> yeah. And then the Daleks say that they're going to begin their invasion of the galaxy with Earth. And I'm like, is there no planet closer to Kemble than Earth? It's gotta be a few light years away, right? <laughs> like, there's nothing from here to there. There's not like a pit stop. They are gonna get Earth, goddammit. No matter how many times it takes, we're gonna conquer this fucking mud ball. We're trying to get those bitches. <laughs> They're stuck in the cell, and then Steven and Sarah, while looking around for the doctor, end up finding the politicians in this cell and they're like they're like begging the travelers to let them out and then they're going back and forth and sarah's just like we have no choice we have to let them go free and i was like "Mm, you kind of do though you kind of do have a choice personally i would go with the choice of letting the politicians who wanted to side with the galaxy destroying psycho tanks fucking rot in their cell that's what I would do in that situation. But what do I know? That's what Vicky would do. That's what Vicky would have done. What would Vicky, Vicky do? <laughs> I want a brace. I want a bracelet. It just says WWV. <laughs> WWVD. What would Vicky do? Because uh, if in that situation, Stephen would be like, well, we. <laughs> well, no, because Stephen was like, that. he's like, uh, well, fuck these guys. The doctor's not here, I guess. And then Vicky would just be like, yeah. Not only fuck these guys, kill these guys. I wonder if they have some sort of, like, poisonous gas that we can channel through this headquarters. <laughs> Surely the Daleks had some sort of contingency plan, right? Just in case they needed to exterminate all of them at once? Surely they have, like, some sort of bomb or electrified walls or something. <laughs> and they're like, Vicky, did you kill animals as a kid? <laughs> only if they deserved it. And they always deserved it. They always deserved it. That's when your Vicky's voice drop. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but otherwise, like, uh, nothing happens. They're like there, and they're like... It involves Steven and Sarah just walking around an enemy base, just yelling, Doctor! Over and over again. Despite the fact that there's probably Daleks still around. Maybe don't shout your location every goddamn second. Just a thought. Yeah, because, like, don't they get on, like, an intercom thing, too? Or something? Well, that, that definitely happened when they were in Egypt. The Daleks announced, hey, we have your friends. Oh, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. I don't know. I that's, thought that was like some um, like weird announcement thing. But uh, unless you have something else to say, I'm just going to get right into episode 12. Nope. Episode 12. Let's go. Episode 12, Destruction of Time. Without a doubt, the most, uh, maybe not the best episode of Doctor Who, but without a doubt, the most fucking metal. Oh, my God. <laughs> right? Chen believes the Doctor and his companions want to side with the Daleks and betray him. However, he's upset when the Daleks belittle him, and the Daleks respond by killing him. The Doctor appears in the confusion and gives Steven the keys to the TARDIS and tells him and Sarah to return on his word. He intends to activate the Time Destructor and destroy himself and the Daleks. However, while Steven escapes, Sarah decides to stay behind. After they escape, the two make their way to the TARDIS with the active Time Destructor in hand. It is withering away at the two of them, and they both collapse. When Steven returns for them, Sarah has already collapsed to dust. Steven is able to reverse the effects long enough for him and the Doctor to escape. The Daleks are utterly destroyed by the Time Destructor, and the Doctor and Steven escape, but at a great personal cost. 
Yeah, no, this episode's fucking metal. Yeah, I know. Like when it, <laughs> we're getting like way ahead of ourselves, but like when it's talking about like Steven going out to find him, like he finds Sarah and he turns her over, and she's like, her bones and skin collapse to dust in his hands. I was like, what the fuck? That is awesome. <laughs> that is so amazing. <laughs> I didn't realize Doctor Who could be so cool. <laughs> I told you, like, it gets fucking violent in some parts. <laughs> and then, but my first note for this episode is, oh my god, the Daleks are betraying Mavic Chen. Who could have seen this coming? Remember when they said they were literally going to do it in episode one? <laughs> and then the then Chen just kind of, like, goes on a tantrum and talking about how they need him and they can't do anything without him and uh using the daleks he's going to rule the galaxy and like it's funny because this is an entirely audio medium that we're experiencing this story and even if it weren't the daleks have absolutely no facial expressions and yet i can still perfectly picture in my mind like the daleks just like bored looking over their glasses <laughs> at Mabit Chen as he's going on about how much they need him and just like right <laughs> <laughs> and then at one point the doctor has the the time destructor and the Daleks are like have a gun pointed at him and he says you can't you can't uh, attack me because if you do you'll destroy the time destructor and he says it looks like a checkmate and I was like I mean, if we're going to get technical, it's not really checkmate. It's more like check, but, like, that's just the chess nerd in me coming out. So, continue. <laughs> Sorry, continue. <laughs> There's a part that I missed, because I missed the part where he turned the time destructor on. Because, uh, like, him and Sarah are trying to, like, race back to the TARDIS. Uh, and they've got the time destructor with them, and it's, like, killing them. And yeah. the whole time I was thinking, it's like... Why doesn't he turn it off? Or why did he turn it on in the first place? I think he turned it on specifically so that it would destroy the Daleks. Yeah, I, I kind of interpret it as like, you know, he, it, it was initially like a self-sacrifice thing. Like he was going to let Sarah and Steven go back to the TARDIS, even though neither of them know how to fly it. Uh, well, I, th I think his plan was to go back to the TARDIS. It's just that I think he makes some sort of mention of how it's not going to affect him the same way that it does everyone else. And that ends up being true because of his race. Like, he can age at an accelerated rate without really affecting him to any sort of significant degree. I mean, it still wears on him, obviously, but while he and uh, Sarah are going back to the TARDIS, while Sarah is just, like, aging and decaying, the Doctor doesn't really change physically. He gets more tired, but, like, he's still kind of the same level of old man. So I think his idea was, I'm going to go turn on the Time Destructor, it will destroy the Daleks, and I'll be able to get away. But then Sarah's like, I need to go help him, because she doesn't understand how uh, how Time Lords work. The term Time Lord hasn't even been invented yet. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so she doesn't realize that he had the plan, because when he told them to go back to the TARDIS, he was like, there's no time to explain, just go! So she doesn't know that he'll be fine. I see, I see. Okay, well that makes more sense. But oh my god, she just turns to dust and collapses. I know, Again, it's I know so said fucking it. cool. It is cool. Holy shit. <laughs> and then, oh my god. And then they get back to the ship, and then the Daleks show up, and they, like, corrode, and you see, like, the, you see them turn into, like, fucking embryos. I, got, I yeah. thought of the episode of um, Futurama, 
when they're all like getting younger <laughs> yeah because i think i think what happens is that um after sarah's already dead uh steven flips the switch in the other direction oh yeah he's like oh well duh guys you had to set the go to old mode you wanted to go to young mode. <laughs> and so like that's how the daleks just like revert back to just like an embryo as opposed to their original state which apparently doesn't bring sarah back to life because she's already fucking dead <laughs> but it's still cool as fuck i <laughs> I, I'm hoping that we're going to see the effects of like the Dalek being the Dalek, uh, the doctor being affected by the time destructor. Cause like it clearly had like a wearing effect on him. He made mm-hmm. a, he may not have aged and turned to dust like Sarah did, but it did have an effect. And what I definitely know we're going to see an effect, uh, feel the effect of is all the fucking death that happened around Steven in this episode, because the doctor is just like, we won. We beat the Daleks. And Steven's like, yeah. And all it took was killing Brett and Katarina and Sarah. And God knows whom, how many other people. I was going to say, I'm going to be amazed if Steven gets through one more story. Because I feel like after that experience, I'm like, I'm done. Like, whatever yeah. this is, I don't want to deal with it anymore. He's, he's just like, yeah, we won. Yay. Yay. <laughs> But yeah, I I kind of like how this episode just ends on a fucking downer. <laughs> yeah, no, me too. I I really love like depressing TV shows and stories. So yeah, no, this was fantastic. <laughs> but that's all I had for this episode specifically. Do we want to go into goodbye, my dear? Yeah, might as well. Okay, so let's start with Katarina. Katarina burned very very bright and then died out literally. Yeah, yeah. Ah, oh, there was so much wasted potential because, yeah, her unique position as a companion. <sighs> okay, so here, here's some background. Before we really get into goodbye, my dear, for both Katarina and Sarah, let's. I want to do some trivia. This is the fir- this is obviously the first example of a companion dying while traveling with a doctor. Spoiler alert: it is not the last. And uh, there's some other trivia that I want to get into, but this episode also has an example of an actor playing a bit role who will later play a major character. I'd like you to guess which actor. Oh, God. Played a named minor character in this uh, in this story who later becomes a major character, who later plays a major character. And, like, they're the same character? No, no. They're, they play a different character, but the actor plays a main character. Um, In the same way that Steven played that Alabama hillbilly, and then later... Yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry. Um, I'm Wait, gonna Peter say, played the Alabama Hillbilly. I'm gonna say the Daxter or the prisoner that killed Katarina. Nope. It Damn. is uh, uh, the guy who plays Brett. Brett Yvonne. Really? Yeah. They're like, you know what? We liked him. Yeah. The actor's name is Nicholas Courtney, and he comes back and plays a pretty major character later. Uh, fun fact, when Terry Nation wrote this story, he was under the impression that Vicky was still part of the crew, and she would have died the way that Katarina did. Oh, no. I don't know whether that would have been a better or worse ending than the one she got in Myth Makers. I think, I think better. Because, uh, like, Katarina was great for, like, the four episodes we got her, but, like, if that happened to Vicky, that would have been a real gut punch. Oh, yeah. Let me tell you. Oh, oh that would have got you right in the feels. Yeah, I would have. Because she definitely knew what that button did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That and Vicky Trail would be just like stone cold boss bitch like that. And here's some more fun facts and just shows just how much 
of a fucking shit show it was behind the scenes because uh, William Hartnell and Peter Purvis and Adrian Hill all went into the Daleks master plan under the assumption that Katarina was going to be new permanent cast member. Like they all thought that Katarina was going to be the new companion. And then they read the script and they were like, what the fuck? I, I thought I was going to be here way longer. What? Why am I being killed off? The reason that they killed off Katarina is because they realized that she would have to have everything explained to her. Like at one point she had to have the, the concept of a key explained to her. And so like they were like, oh, that sounds like a lot of work. I don't, uh, that'll slow things down and I don't want to deal with that. So they decided to just kill her off. And I was like, you fucking cowards. Do you realize the gold mine you were just handed and you just decided, nah, that's too much work. That would be hard. We have to balance the writing. <laughs> we have to actually have to think about character interactions. and That sounds awful. But ironically, Sarah Kingdom was meant to stay on permanently. She was meant to be the new companion. But Jean Marsh didn't know that when she took the role. She didn't know that Sarah Kingdom was supposed to be on permanently. And so partly through filming her parts, she was informed that, oh yeah, you're the new permanent companion. And she was like, uh, no, I'm not. I did not commit to an entire series. I'm not, I'm not staying. <laughs> God. So that's why she died at the end of that one. <laughs> God, could you imagine? How could you not inform people? Like, not like give them some sort of anticipation on what to expect. Exactly, which Holy was just shit. which is just like showing how much that John Wiles, a new producer, was just like, no, people are going to do what I say, regardless of whether I say it or not. They're just going to do it because actors are sheep. <laughs> God, I hope he doesn't stay around for a producer too long. He doesn't. Yeah, so John Wiles just became more. John Wiles became more and more exasperated with Hartnell. And his tendency to deviate from his scripted lines. And it was getting so bad that like almost like a civil war was starting to happen amongst the crew. And of like people who were just like on Bill's side and people who were on John's side. And the set was just becoming more and more hostile. And I was just like, this doesn't sound like a fun time at all. (laughs) Uh, The 10th episode of this story is... The 100th episode of Doctor Who. Woo! <laughs> the re- you may be wondering why this episode is 12 episodes long. It's because the higher-ups knew that the Daleks got more views. Oh, so they were like, just milk that. Yeah, so they're like, make it as long as you possibly can. Because they wanted to pull in the ratings and be like, Daleks, 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 Daleks. Please tell me that backfired. It kind of did because it started to dwindle a little bit. And you'll notice that uh, it's going to be a minute before the Daleks come back because I think people were starting to get, okay, we get it. They've got plungers for arms. We get it. So yeah, that's, that's all the, all the trivia I had. So goodbye, my dear Katarina. Burned bright and then died out. I really don't have that much to say. There were a few lines where uh, I I think she was talking to uh, Vion or Brett, whatever his name is. Mm-hmm. Like he says something in snide about that doctor. And she basically says, keep your name out. Of, keep his name out of your fucking mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. And that just kind of shows that she had so much potential, like between learning all these new things and being a companion who's just like on board with everything the doctors does. 
including all of the stupid shit he tries to pull juxtaposed by steven who's constantly calling him out like it could have been such a fun dynamic with her and the crew and I, it's just so disappointing having the writers be like that sounds like too much work and then deciding to kill her off mm-hmm. it's like <sighs> give it give her yeah. to me i'll write some good katarina stories <laughs> yeah exceedingly disappointing i think and unfortunately there really isn't that much to say uh the big high is her dying yeah. I was going to say, what's your favorite moment of Katarina? But it, she didn't really have too many moments other than her badass and or tragic death. Yeah, unfortunately. Mm. Well, that was a quick one. Yeah, well, we kind of figured it would be. Goodbye, my dear Sarah Kingdom. Yeah, uh, upon reflection and upon talking about it, I do agree that like her turn to like being a companion is too quick and too easy. And she's too much like, oh, okay, well, whatever you guys say. Uh, she is kind of a badass. She beats people up. That's cool. And then at the very least, she earns, and um, um, amazing because Katarina also died in this story, but she earns most metal death in Doctor Who so far. Yeah, no kidding. Sarah, it sucked that you died, but oh my god, it was kind of sweet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Yeah, she definitely felt like, like, we've had companions who are like the muscle, like Ian or Steven or whatever. Sarah's the first companion we've had that felt like an action hero. Mm-hmm. She felt like Laura Croft was on the was on the TARDIS. <laughs> oh, that's a good comparison. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, she was cool. It was sad to see her go. Yeah. Again, a character that I feel like had a lot of potential, much like Katarina, but I feel like of the two, Sarah had more of an opportunity to actually live up to that potential because she kicked ass. Mm-hmm. No, totally agree. I, I wish Katarina was around for longer. I do kind of see how, like, the shtick of, like, explaining stuff to her would get old kind of quickly. But they could have figured it out. At least for a little bit. But, like, after a while, she was just kind of rolling with it. I'm just like, I don't understand any of this. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna watch and observe. And I think it would have been really cool to have, like, a moment of Katarina is watching and observing and taking everything in. And then just completely unexpectedly, Katarina like does something that her lack of understanding of technology shouldn't she shouldn't have done but like she figured it out just by watching and like she saved the day oh yeah i think having that moment of like no yeah this does this i don't understand how but i know it does yeah that would have been good yeah and a much better use of the character than just killing her off exactly (laughs) anyway we're talking about sarah kingdom favorite moment uh, the part where she turned to dust and fucking died. It sucks that me? both of our favorite moments are like, when she fucking died. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. It's terrible. But, like, I, I, Sarah was cool in the way she beat people up. But, like, we didn't know her. Like, we knew Vicky. Yeah. Uh, or we knew Susan, or Susan. So, like, there wasn't really that time to, like, develop a connection to them. So, yeah, yeah the coolest thing about them is the part where they turned to dust and blew away. Because she turned on Mavic Chen, who she had been, like, like what's the word, uh, fanatically loyal to. And I really feel like they could have leaned into that a little bit more. Mm-hmm. When she, not necessarily when the Doctor and Steven are like, he's doing this. She's like, you lie. I would have loved it if she didn't believe them the entire time and was antagonistic. And then saw Chen working with the Daleks and like seeing it firsthand. And that's when she turned. I wish that she had been given like a moment of like, we trusted you. I trusted you kind of, kind of variety, but no, (laughs) no, (laughs) she just believes Steven again. 
give me give me Sarah Kingdom, I'll write you a good story. Don't you worry, I got this. <laughs> it's okay, we're rewriting the first Doctor. Final thoughts. The Daleks Master Plan. Uh, I thought this story had some really great moments. It's entirely too long, mm-hmm. and Dennis Spooner ruined the latter half. But mm-hmm. I did see two companions die, including one fade to dust. So pretty cool, I'd say. The chase is still the best story, I think. Okay. I, I'm editing the chase right now, so I'm like, uh. And so I got to the part where you're like, I think this is my favorite one. And I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot this is this is Caleb's favorite one. Speaking of the chase, this one kind of felt like the chase too, chase harder. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was going to say that. Like, it, It's very reminiscent of the um, chase, especially when the dogs are like, what was that thing we did before? Let's do that again. <laughs> yeah, and they just go into various locations and the Daleks chase them in their time machine. And it makes sense because a lot of the ideas used in this were ideas that Terry Nation wanted to use in the chase, but didn't get a chance to. So like this was his opportunity. I thought, yeah, I thought the story was overall good. It did not break. It almost broke my top five, but it did not. The, yeah, stretching over 12 episodes feels really excessive. The deaths of the two companions were solid. They were very good, very good dramatic moments. It's just also the downside that it also means that they never got a chance to live up to their potential. And again, I will say this episode is good and that I will recommend it to anyone who's curious. But in the same way that I recommend One Piece, in that I recommend it, but if you say you don't want to because it's too long, I get it. And that's a valid reason not to watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But yeah. We, we we climbed that mountain, Caleb. We got past the fucking 12-episode long story. Oh, Jesus Christ. I'm yawning because I'm exhausted from it. <laughs> well, that's it for this episode, guys. If you liked it, you can follow us on Twitter at QuickTripDW. And if you'd like to follow me and Mac specifically, you can follow Mac at MacTheMath and me at CLB underscore Clark. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all the major podcasts network things and join us next time on a quick trip through space and time in which we listen to the only episode in doctor who history in which the doctor travels with only a male companion in the massacre Ooh.